The Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Land Trust. Did you know sportsmen spend over $5 billion annually in hunter and angler access fees? Land Trust is a platform that connects sportsmen with farmers and ranchers like you who have untapped profits just by providing access to their land. Go to landtrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to see how much you might add to your bottom line. Greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture with me, your host, Damian Mason. Today, we're talking about uh, a couple of things that I see fusing. In my book, Food Fear, I talk about in the end, everything merges together. There's actually a line at the end of one of my favorite movies, A River Runs Through It, that talks about in the end, everything ultimately merges together. Well, I think there's going to be some things like that in the business of agriculture. You know, in my book, I talk about organic farming, which of course is a little bit of an outlier. Now it's become closer to mainstream um, and regenerative, which was this sort of crazy concept that certain practices of that are being adopted mainstream. Ultimately, I think that organic, regenerative and conventional merge together and we create what I would say is the best, you know, symbiosis, the best, uh, the best outcomes for everybody. And that's for our natural resources. So what we're talking about today is where things merge together of the ecology and the economy. We're talking about how the business that we are in with such vast amounts of natural resources that we own, that we also utilize and the ability to utilize those in an ecologically and sustainable manner. You know, sustainable is one of those buzzwords, as I always say, as an ag guy, you say sustainable, it means a hundred different things to a hundred different people. Ask my friends in Arizona where I live in the wintertime, and they'll tell you it means small, local. I went down to Scottsdale and got tomatoes that says pesticide-free. That means it's sustainable. Well, no bullshit. It doesn't necessarily mean that. So we're going to talk about what the realities of are about the ecology, economy, and the economy of ecology, meaning can we in agriculture be profiting from this? I've got a special guest. His name is John Hansen on this episode. He works for my sponsor, Land Trust. If you are tuning in here, of course, you heard the ad for Land Trust. Land Trust has a, a, an interesting concept that John's going to tell you about. And the main thing here is this is not an infomercial. We're talking about the reality and the viability of we in agriculture profiting from utilization of our natural resources other than just to produce corn, soybeans, wheat, cranberries, etc. John Hansen used to work for Turner Enterprises. Now, if you are an ag person, there's a very good chance that you probably are a little bit conservative. If you are an ag person, there's probably a very good chance you have a disdain for Ted Turner if you know the backstory. Ted Turner took vast amounts of money, went to Montana and started buying up ranch land, then told the Montanans how, how they were going to live their life. Maybe that's not true. Mr. Hansen can tell us, but the reality is that was the rumor that we all heard that uh, John uh, is going to tell us is true or not true, that Ted Turner and Jane Fonda went into a diner in Montana and the people were served that refused them service. So we're going to talk about all that, but the main thing is he worked in an industry where it was all about the ecology first. Now he's talking about bringing, making money for land trust by using the ecology. So that's what we're covering here today. It's a good topic. It's a big topic. It's a topic we're going to hear more about in the business of ag. I've been blabbering on too much now. John Hanson, welcome to the business of agriculture. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be able to be on your uh, podcast here. Uh, you know, as far as the rumors go, I heard the same rumors. I didn't witness them. 
But uh, I do know there was big concerns. And when he first bought the Bar Nun Ranch uh, in 87, then Flying D in 89, the Flying D in particular really worked me up. I didn't work for him. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the West has come to an end. Uh, consequently, it ends up six years later, I end up going to work for him. And I have a little different appreciation for some of the ideas. The approach may have been not the best, but there were some basic good underlying ideas there of looking at the ecology. And, you know, there's economics, ecology. I like to say commerce and conservation. That kind of hits better with me. All right. So commerce and conservation. So real quickly here, um, somebody's just tuning in here and I encourage you, dear listener, remember you can catch the business of agriculture wherever you get your audio podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, go to DamianMason.com and it's right there. Also, we record these on video. That's right. For about the last two years, there's almost a hundred of these videos on YouTube. Please go to the Damian Mason channel. It's real simple. Go on YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel and hit subscribe. All my great content is there. Uh, You know, agricultural commentary, uh, humorous stuff, as well as my business of agriculture podcast. So anyway, Mr. Hanson, real quick. Uh, let's go from beginning to, let's go from end to beginning. Land Trust is my sponsor. Uh, I had Nick uh, on my show here. Nick is the founder of the company. He looked around and said, hey, there's all these people that would like access to private lands. Um, and we don't want to do long-term lease. Maybe you want to go bird watching, fishing, hunting, even just uh, camping with your family. You say, there's this guy that owns this beautiful ranch out here or this farm in Indiana like Damien has. What if uh, he could put this on land trust, this website, sort of the Airbnb, if you will, and just rent it to my, uh, the, you know, to me for like five days. So that's what they're doing. And they talk a lot about you've got this resource agricultural people in in America own 900 million acres. Why not make some money off of it doing something besides just producing a crop or a, or a, or a calf. Um, You came to work for them just a couple months ago. Go ahead now. Give me the scoop on land trust, then take me backwards. Well, uh, yeah, I just started with them a couple months ago. Uh, We were connected through uh, some mutual contacts, like most things happen. And, uh, they decided they'd like to work with me a little bit because of my contacts here in Nebraska in the Sand Hills, which is an area, you know, they're moving into and I know a lot of people, but also too is my background. So I could maybe help them educate landowners on an approach to harnessing and monetizing some of these attributes to their property that they have. Because let's face it, and, and like I've, t- I've told you before the deal, you know, my main experience is in uh, large scale grazing lands. You know, I've worked with hundreds of thousands up to, you know, um, a couple million that I had influence over acres. Not so much on the farming, so I don't know a ton about that. But uh, for some of these ranchers, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, they've got basically one crop and that's a calf crop or their yearlings that they run them over. They only have one income stream. They may sell a little excess hay or something, but they've got this huge resource, you know, say here in the sand hills, not unusual, you know, 10,000 acre ranch. Uh, There's a lot there other than just grass and cows and a little hay. So why not find a way to monetize this? And that's what intrigued me about land trust. When I first heard about them, I thought, oh, my first thought, of course, is, oh, it's another trust thing, you know, nonprofit. And then I found out now they're, they're in a for-profit outfit. 
And uh, so I got intrigued with what they were doing. And the more I talked to Nick, looked at their site, I thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a part of this and try to help them help people monetize these various assets on their property. And on my first thought was, yeah, it's a hunting fishing thing. Uh, well, seen that, done that, not that exciting. But they've started bringing in things like the bird watching. Uh, another one right now is, you know, for lack of a better term, agritourism or agricultural experiences, where they, you know, people can bring their family to a ranch and maybe for a couple of days they help on a cattle move or at least watch it. You know, they, they get to get involved a little bit in agriculture uh, experiences and learn a little bit about where does their food come from? What are the challenges ag people have? To me, it's a huge opportunity for, uh, you know, education of the consuming public, which we desperately need because what do we have? 98% of the people in the country or a little bit more are urban. And most of those have a total disconnect from their food sources. What a great way to bring them back out. Uh, so I got pretty excited about that and thought, you know, I can do, you know, get behind what they're doing. I like their approach. Uh, I've gone to several other meetings where we've had landowners. Uh, they do a very good job. The landowners that have gone, uh, that I've been around, have been very excited about this. They saw a chance to do something. They always thought there should be a way to do it, but they didn't know how to get into it. Mm -hmm. These guys really did a good, great job of setting up an easy way for a landowner to keep control of everything, you know, because that's always a big concern is, you know, you want to have control of your property and everything. But the other thing, too, is they can set up what they want to do, when they want to do it and where they want to. And they have the help to do it. Right. Okay. So we know, uh, you know, we've uh, talked about the company that's my sponsor here, Land Trust. And yep. you came to them because, yeah, they, they essentially are saying we're the conduit between private landowners and people that want to utilize it for one day, one weekend, one week, one month, whatever. It's really up to the landowner to say, all right, yeah, I think it'd be cool to make a little bit of money and let somebody come out here and go grouse hunting, whatever that should be, bird watching. Um, <clears throat> you came to them just a couple months ago, but your vast experiences with <clears throat> Turner Enterprises uh, you know, Hanoi Jane and uh, the mouth from the South, um, Ted Turner. And uh, you went to work with them. So kind of you were a, a ranching type of a kid. You're in your 60s. So kind of take me from uh, from uh, your, your background, your work. And then you end up at Turner Enterprises. You said somewhere in what, the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, it was mid 90s. 95 is when I came to work for him. Prior to that, I had managed some small ranches right out of college. Uh, went to college, got an animal science degree, of course, and then uh, worked for three, four years out managing a small ranch and then decided to go back, got a master's in range science. And then I spent some time not only managing ranches, but I was a consultant uh, myself and a business partner who was actually my major professor in college, had a consulting firm. Uh, so we got a lot of experience in the consulting thing, not only with, you know, of course, we did state and federal EISs and that kind of stuff. EIS. But wait, we had, wait, wait, what the hell are you talking about? EIS, what are you talking about? Environmental impact statements. Okay, so who was your, who was, when you were a consultant, who was your customer? Uh, my customers, partially, uh, we had several private landowners, fairly large ones. Uh, and then we also had some state jobs. You know, we do stuff for Department of Highways or uh, something like that. So 
but we did a lot with uh, private landowners. And that actually was when I was a consultant, I first encountered this recreational thing and how good it could be. We had one fairly large uh, client, you know, they'd run, you know, 4,000 steers during the summer. They had a, you know, a few hundred head cow herd that was their kind of year round thing, but they had a, had a hunting program that uh, <clears throat> had the best margins of anything for the amount of time effort they put into it, huge money. You know, I mean, the margins were great compared to the normal ag stuff they're doing, but they couldn't scale it up just due to the way they were set. And also too, marketing was a little challenging. You know, I mean, this is back in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, internet stuff just wasn't flying, but uh, you know, that's all changed. So we get through the consultant deal. Um, I come to work for uh, Turner Enterprises. Uh, I knew their general manager from some of my consulting work. He heard that, you know, I might be thinking about making a shift. So in 95, moved to Nebraska, uh, started, you know, Ted started with one smaller ranch down here. I say smaller, it was 33,000 acres. We managed to grow it to 140 plus started adding ranches. So I got this great, you know, experience and we would get properties that oftentimes were challenged in terms of condition. You know, they'd been through some tough times. So, you know, the guys that had them used them a little bit harder. Uh, so we got a chance to improve the ecology, the production, get that going. And of course, there was a ton of recreational opportunity, but given the way that company was structured, we could take only limited advantage of it. But on their properties that they did do a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, recreational things, I got a chance to learn a lot by watching. And then after they moved me to the Bozeman office, um, is I had oversight over 16 ranches. Um, I really got a good opportunity to see kind of what works, what doesn't, and uh, maybe get some clues on the best way to approach some of these uh, recreational opportunities. So we're talking about, okay, so that's your uh, situation with Turner Enterprises. Um, yeah. You 16 different ranch properties. And now we're talking about how uh, a person can make money how there can be economies off of ecology, or you call it commerce, while also conservation. So I want you to tell me all about what you see happening, where this goes, because there's a lot of people. Remember, I've got folks from all over North America listening to this, and even internationally beyond Canada and the U.S., yep. uh, and different parts of ag, and I try to always present stuff that they don't think about. You know, sometimes margins are tight. Ask the people right now that are uh, in the feed yard business. My understanding is they're not making a damn dime off of a fast deer, right? Right now, uh, but the Packers making twelve hundred dollars of every steer that walks in there. That's almost a dollar a pound, by the way. Um, so anyway, we always are looking at how a person can make more money. Before we hear you talk about your concept of economy and ecology, I want to remind our listeners about my new venture that I'm doing with Extreme Ag. Extreme. That's X T R E M E. Extreme Ag Farm is our website. It's a consortium of forward-thinking, record-setting farmers got together a couple of years ago and said, you know what, let's share from all of our knowledge, but also share from the lessons we've learned from our mistakes. These guys are record-setters, you know, corn and soybean yield uh, uh, record-setters. 
They also have companies that are doing trials for them. So you can go to extremeag.farm and you can see a bunch of the content I'm helping them create. Videos and audios, even articles that you can share. We call it the Cutting the Curve podcast, but it's much more than just a podcast, really. It's, it's a lot of it's real hands-on. You can see everything from irrigation, uh, drip irrigation, and, and how that works and how you might be able to use it on your property. So go to extremeag.farm and check out some of the great stuff I'm helping those guys create. And if you are in the business of production agriculture, you might just even want to join Extreme Ag. So go to extremeag.farm and check out more of their stuff. It's all free to look at the videos that I'm helping them create. I just want to share it here because I think it's some really cool uh, forward thinking stuff that uh, if you don't quite have, uh, haven't done it, you can just uh, learn from watching what we're doing there about some of the new things and some of the new techniques, practices, business practices, and products they're using. Okay, John Hansen, Economy Ecology, Conservation and Commerce. Um, you're out there for Turner. And you're buying up, he's buying up all these ranch lands. Ted Turner don't give two hoots in hell whether he makes a nickel off of that ranch. I'm out here, Damian Mason. I have to make a nickel off of my 280 acres out here because I didn't, I didn't inherit any of this. It's, it's, you know, it's, I got I to gotta pay for it. Um, talk to me because a person's going to say, what the hell's Ted Turner? Who's he to talk about making money off of his ranch? He never had to make a nickel off his ranch. He made money off of selling CNN. Well, that might have been the case early on, uh, possibly. I can't speak, you know, to what his, all of his finances were. But, yeah, early on, there wasn't as big a push for the uh, uh, economics because he was trying to build a bison business that was more or less mi minimally uh, existing. And so, you know, he poured a lot into it. But I can tell you that... Uh, you know, after CNN and uh, we had some, you know, the bison business took a big dive in the early 2000s because uh, it had been based not on a meat basis, but on a breeding deal. You know, it's the old, for lack of a better term, I always called it the ostrich and emu syndrome. You know, everyone, you know, bought up breeding stock and were selling breeding stock, but they didn't have the underpinnings of a true market. And, and that happened in the, the way the way you make money on uh, this was to just get more people to buy the offspring or the breeding stock. Right. That's that's kind of also. Yeah. I, I yeah. That, yeah that, that's how it is. It's it's fed off of getting people excited about it. But there's not a true underpinning of a lack of a better term, a commodity, something you can really use. Yeah. Meat, you know, hides, whatever. So anyway. Once that ended, then we were handed the task of making sure these places made money. And we got serious about it. You know, we looked hard at expenses. We looked at every way we could uh, move things up. He took some big gambles and risks that paid off. And uh, so I would say now, you know, and, and we ended up with a mission statement after all that, uh, that, you know, we had to have uh, be economically sustainable, environmentally sensitive, and conserve native species, just to wrap up the three main points. Uh, so it was under that that I started getting a little more interested in what we were doing. I mean, first off, it was kind of exciting get, getting lots of property and, you know, running 9-0 and uh, doing that whole thing. But it did end up being we had to make money. And we also had to keep the ecology going. So we did a lot of work uh, for restoration. We spent a lot of time with planned grazing, uh, trying to figure out how to improve various aspects of our rangeland um, and the whole bit. Well, now's the time to try and make something off of it. And I know they've been working on that. They have an arm for ecotourism. Uh, I had very little to do with that particular arm. 
as it mostly dealt with the mountain ranches and they had me focusing a lot on plains ranches because uh, that's kind of my strong suit. But uh, they were they, they were doing it in a different way. You know, they had their own website. They were going for really high end type, you know, experiences and that type of thing. And I could see that that only has a limited market. And uh, I didn't think it was maybe the approach I would have taken. Now what I'm seeing uh, with working with land trust and the uh, landowners on, you know, more normal sized landowners and uh, more typical is we can have a smaller venue uh, and it can be catered and tailored depending on what the uh, rancher wants to offer. And he can showcase the ecology on his place because realistically of all the ranches I run around and look at, uh, most of them are actually in very good shape, very well managed and have a good healthy uh, ecology on them. So why not capitalize on that? You're talking about making sure, okay, Turner, they were big on making sure that the actual stuff was done right. Meaning you're not just, uh, you know, mining, as we would say it, you know, my cropland out here, you put in a tenant and, and sometimes they're a little bit unscrupulous and they're like, Hey, I'm just going to get all the fertility out of this ground and move on down the road. So you can do the same thing with ranch. You can just go out and just beat the shit out of it. You can mine it. And uh, essentially, and I don't mean digging up uh, minerals. I mean, you can just steal all the stuff out of it and then you got it. Yeah. You're saying they were doing it right. The right amount of species, the right amount of uh, grazing to not overgraze, you know, erosion control, those kinds of things were all done. Now you're saying, okay, how else we can make money besides that cow producing that calf? Besides that, you producing a lamb, that's really about it, right? And so what else? What else can we do? And what did you, you didn't see it at uh, Turner, but you said they're starting to do it at some of their mountain properties. And obviously this is what land trust is hoping to do and see more of. Talk to me about how I'm going to make money off of this now. Well, and that, that's the thing. They're, your average rancher is doing a pretty good job. Like I said, you, most of them look real good. Um, <clears throat> they've got a relatively healthy ecosystem. Uh, I know one guy that uh, he did not realize that birding could be something great on his place. Turns out he's got a phenomenal bird resource just because they've managed correctly for so many years. Now it can be monetized. And I think there's several reasons that this is all coming together for, you know, the smaller landowner. Um, and when I say smaller, you know, I mean the 5,000 acre to, you know, 50, 60,000 acre rancher, like in the Sand Hills or other places, is. Um, only 40,000 only 40, 40, acres, one of those little guys. Huh? See, that's, that's pretty big <laughs> stuff to, to people over here in the Eastern Corn Belt. Well, no, exactly. And like I said, you know, it's all relative where you're at. Uh, you know, some people think my place might be pretty good in the right, big in the right circles. For Sand Hills, it's a horse pasture for a couple horses. So, uh, you know, it's all relative. Uh, but there was a shift that happened, you know, and I think the pandemic really started to bring this about. You know, people that did normal vacations to various places couldn't do them. So they started looking at other alternatives. Uh, I think that they got to looking to the outdoors because one thing is it's not crowded and not full of people and they, you know, didn't have all the restrictions. Uh, the other thing, too, is they with some of the food shortages or, you know, appeared to be shortages. But I mean, let's face it, the grocery stores got a little empty. They suddenly started thinking about their food and how it's connected. Some started gardening. They get interested. Uh, so I think they're starting to look for some of these experiences again. 
uh, more rural and uh, not so can, not like, you know, the old guest ranches were, you know, and some of those were pretty good. I mean, they're interesting. They're still going, but something very real. They're looking for reality and to see where things come from, how it's produced. Um, and they're looking for great nature experiences. You know, I, I look at Yellowstone Glacier Park. Those things are so crammed full now because people want to see the stuff, but it's gotten too crowded. What's the next best option? Let's go to a private landowner's place, get to see a lot of nature and not have a ton of other people hanging around. Um, so yeah, I think the time is right, not to mention, We've got a populace now that is so used to shopping online, finding things online, you know, the whole bit. Uh, they've gotten very comfortable with it. It's probably gotten even better since people, you know, kind of got sequestered last year and uh, spent more time on it, get more comfortable. It, it's like the perfect storm. Things are coming together to where I think this could really take off. All right, so let's talk about where you actually see somebody making money. For instance, I already know there's this RV thing. A friend of mine's an RV guy. He says, if you want to sign up, you could be the host for this. And I said, well, do I get paid? He's like, well, uh, this one's more of a free thing. You just let them park on your farm, and they're encouraged to buy stuff. I'm like, all right, so I'm going to sell them a jar of my pickles or something. Um, But there is this thing. I agree with you that there's more. it's more acceptable and realistic than it's ever been. You know, I I was in those conferences, John. 10, 20 years ago, when I heard some speaker come in from the USDA, that's never run a business before in their life. And I'm not being mean. It's just, let's face it, they're government employees. Yeah. Well, we think agritourism is just going to be great. I work for the Indiana Department of Agriculture. And gosh, we should just do more agritourism. Like, okay, you have a guaranteed government job with a guaranteed benefits um, and, and like a company car you drive around with. I got to figure out how to make money. How am I going to do that? We'll just do agritourism. Like, that don't, that's not a business plan. That's not a business model. That's nothing. I think it was a bunch of horseshit 20 years ago. I believe that it's more realistic today because, as you said, just like people log on right now and rent a room from Airbnb. They log on to a computer and rent a house. They log on, uh, you know, through, uh, uh, you know, Visbo or whatever it's called, Verbo. So this is more of a realistic thing. Um, are you seeing it? I mean, actually seeing it? I think we're starting to see some of it. My limited, you know, uh, exposure with land trust and seeing what they did last year, where they're headed now, and then talking to some of the people that have signed up, they're starting to get a lot of inquiries. A few have booked some very significant, uh, you know, venues like bird watching stuff did really well, really enjoyed it. Uh, so I think the potential's there. And, you know, the thing about it, it may not be for every landowner. Let, let, let's be straight up about it. Some may not have the kind of resource that's all that attractive or big enough or enough or marketed, or they just may not have the interest. Uh, it comes down to they need to have their goals laid out. Every landowner needs to have a solid set of goals and decide if he's going to do this and at what level and how much he expects to make and then start making that happen. And, you know, He'll either use his own resources or he'll hook up with somebody, say, like Land Trust, that'll help them and work them through it. Uh, But I think there is a very real possibility that this could, I'm not going to say it's going to take off like gangbusters, but I think that that for a significant number of landowners, this could be a very good thing. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to they have to know what their goals are. They have to know what level of 
you know, participation they want, what they want to offer and when and how much. So it, it it's no different than, uh, you know, I'm, I've had a lot of training over the last 40 some years, you know, I've uh, starting with Alan Savory and working all the way through to, you know, Alan Williams uh, and whatnot. And the big thing is that I, way, setting I, don't know, goal. I don't, I don't know what any of those things are. What's that? Who, who you talk, Alan Williams is the uh, regenerative guy. Yep, exactly. He, he's he's been on my podcast. And then who was the other one before yep. that? Uh, Alan uh, Savory, hmm. holistic resource management. Oh, okay. Uh, they're still going. They're big more in rangeland stuff than you'll find in, uh, you know, agronomics. Okay. So uh, anyway, the big thing is goal setting. You know, you need to have a production goal uh, with your monetary. You need to have a quality of life goal and you need to have a landscape goal, you know? And so if you get those written down, then you can find out, do I have room in my cadre for an enterprise like agritourism or ecotourism, you know, pick whatever term you want to use. I think agritourism is probably a little better. Although some of it, uh, that would be more for ranch experiences. If you're doing the bird watching thing or something like that, that's maybe more of an ecotourism thing. Nonetheless, you know, you can determine then, do I have time room and do I have somebody on my, in my crew, my family, whatever, that wants to help manage that enterprise? Because, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be time consuming, but it can turn into that if you let it. Any, uh, so, any, you know, it, it comes down to what do you want out of your place? Uh, how much extra revenue do you want? Do you want something that's broken away from standard product, you know, ag production or commodity based stuff? that's more, uh, let's say, less uh, volatile in some regards. But any- this is a new and it, it's a new thing. You know, I mean, I know I've, I've heard all the talk about all that in the past, like you did. This is new, a different situation and a different way of marketing. Uh, and there's people that did it, you know, starting 15, 20 years ago, yeah. built their own websites and have done well. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I know of one operation here in Nebraska that uh, it ended up helping bring another family member back to the ranch. So that's significant. Do you have any warnings or nightmare stories? You talked about setting goals, understanding what you want to do. Are you going to utilize your your uh, main production stuff? Or are you going to do a little offshoot? I understand what you're saying there. Basically, is are you going to just provide this hundred acres over here that's just a, a meadow with uh, some some fields, you know, and ponds. So, you know, which resources are you using? Who's going to manage it? What is the actual goal of the thing? Uh, who's your target customer? I would always go with that one also. Who is it you, you're trying to, to get here? Um, you, you know, I speak to companies all the time that they don't still understand who their customer is or who their customer should be. Uh, and also, right. I'd throw another one out there, John. What is it you're selling? Uh, you know, I'm thinking through it in my head here. Uh, for 13 years, I had my my beef operation and I had no problem selling quarters of beef because people love that thing. And they've come out, a lot of them see them drink a beer with me, get excited. They're buying number, you know, nine fourteen or whatever uh, out there on the hook. Um, yeah. Uh, is it, is it just, um, what is it you're selling? What is it they're coming to you for is one of the big ones. Have you got any horror stories? You got any nightmare stories? You got any like, Oh God, of all things, don't do this. You got any bad ones for me? <laughs> no, I, I don't have any bad ones. Uh, I've had some where maybe the owner might have figured out, and this goes back to my consulting days, 
they didn't really like dealing with people and probably could have told them that up front, but they wanted to do, you know, so anyway, no, nothing really bad. Um, in terms of what we're selling, basically we're trying to sell experiences. You know, it's an experience-based platform when you start going into uh, marketing that ecology. Now there's, you know, not only experience-based, but at some point hope to link this in a little bit with uh, what I do uh, is look at what uh, ecosystem services are marketable. So not just that, you know, I mean, and you've heard the whole thing, you know, there's the carbon credit stuff and there's the potential at some point, maybe for uh, soil and water type programs. I can see that in the future, although I get a little squishy because of uh, it'd probably be under a government payment thing. And I'm not very big on that kind of deal. Uh, that just me personally, people can do what they want to. Uh, but I, I think ecosystem services that. have a potential. I would agree that there's some ecology stuff that's going to be private market. I've already had a guy on here talking about selling carbon that did not go through a government channel, although there is talk that maybe a government should set up a market. So we actually know what the marketplace is. What's a, you know, just like, you know, what a bushel of corn is worth. What the hell's a ton right. of carbon worth? Um, uh, but yeah, soil and water stuff in terms of a, a ranch or landowner, farm owner profiting off of those things. I don't, I don't, I get a little worried about that also because it sounds a lot like yeah. it's going to be more regulatory stuff. Um, right. And one thing you pointed out to make money, you know, I know a lot of farm people that really just like to hide in their tractor, hide in their combine, hide in their truck and hide in their shop, uh, except for when they're driving around bullshitting with other farm people. Um, right. The idea of them answering to John Q public, frankly, some of them don't really don't really excel at that, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> and uh, they haven't been in the customer service business like, say, I have been. Uh, they haven't worked for a, a billionaire with an ego like you have, for instance. So um, there is that. There is that that um, these dollars are going to be derived from actually dealing with John Q. Public as the, the reality of this. Well, it, it, you know, and there's various ways to handle that. Um, you know, depending on the type of, of what you're going to offer. Uh, you know, you can be as involved as you want to. You just have to figure it, you know, get some help figuring out how to, like, say you're going to have a, for lack of a better term, some kind of an access fee to get onto your property. Uh, it may be for bird watching, maybe berry picking, mushroom hunting, bird hunting, you know, I mean, right. pick your poison. So an access deal. Uh you don't necessarily have to see that person in this day and age. If they've got a smartphone, you can shoot them the map of the place where they can get in, where they can get off. They text you when they hit there, they yep. text you when they leave. So, you know, to go look for them if, you know, they suddenly don't show up uh, kind of thing. So there is opportunities there to do that without having uh, to necessarily be face to face with them. And, my, from talking to various guys that have been setting these things up and have set them up, they a lot of times want them at least show up at headquarters, you know, say hi, look them in the face, kind of a common Western ranch deal. And uh, then they can go off and do their thing, you know, and they've got these maps on their phone uh, with, you know, all kinds of waypoints, how to get in and out and all that uh, set up. And most people anymore are pretty good with their phones that way. I'm not saying I can do it. I'm still topographic and dead reckoning, but uh, there's people out there, you know, most people are pretty good at, you know, using their phone to get around. 
you and I both agree there's going to be more money made off of the conservation and economy aspect of it beyond government payments. I believe this is something that, like I said, the, when Airbnb and uh, and uh, Verbo comes to the country is what I think we're talking about. And I even talked about my friend that's the RV guy that desperately, he, he's, every time we're together, he tells me I should be doing this, you know, something with the RV people pulling in here. And it's a different thing than land trust. Land trust is uh, more of a individual contractual arrangement that you know you're going to bird bird hunt or bird watch or whatever on a property on a certain date under a certain amount of restrictions that the landowner is allowed to put in there yeah. so we're going to see more of this you think that and i think that we think in another few years it's going to be like oh what's the income off that place well the calf crop pays this the conservation payment pays this the carbon credit pays this and the land trust uh, uh, user access fees pay this. Is that what we're going to be talking about? We're going to now take what used to be one crop and put it into four and five different crops? Well, I think so. I think, the, you know, this is just one other opportunity to layer in uh, revenue and, and diversify the revenue streams. And some of them can be very synergistic and complementary. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, you know, with your own deal, selling, you know, a quarter of beef all day long. Uh, I was talking to one producer. I've known him down here for 20 some years. And he was saying he was signing up. And one of the things he wanted to do is take the ranch experience people and use it as a way to direct market some of his beef. Uh, you know, cut out a little bit of middleman, make a little more margin on some of that beef. Uh, whether it's going to happen or not, you never know. But you don't know till you try. And I think the opportunity is there. It makes me wonder if... Um... You know, and this is about one of the problems with your man, Ted Turner, going to the West. You know, they wanted to change everybody's activities out there. There's people that made money off of mineral rights. And some of that now is not happening. It's places like North Dakota, where there's a hell of a lot of money got made with the whole shale, uh, uh, you know, fracking, et cetera, et cetera. Now, are we talking maybe we're going to offset where you the ranch or property owner might have made property, uh, I'm sorry, made money off of mineral rights. Now they're going to make it off of people go uh go people uh go fishing yeah I, I think there's good potential that that could happen uh let's I, I personally think that you know the extractive industries like you know oil and coal uh they're not going to see and barring some major thing i can't see or understand but it's going to be moderate and i think that the better diversity they have in a revenue stream, the more insulated they are from things like, you know, I know a lot of guys that, you know, had oil wells up there in North Dakota and Eastern Montana that, wow, it took the heart out of there. Then they got to living a little bit, maybe above their means on that extra money rather than stick it all away. But nonetheless, it happens. And uh, this is an opportunity to bring some of that back. And there are some actually, you know, I mean, everyone thinks about oil fields being just, you know, disgusting. There's, I've actually seen some pretty well done oil fields that you really don't realize you're in them. And I've seen some that, you know, go back to 1910 and 1915 that just scare you to death. Right. But for the most part, a lot of them can be done pretty well. And I think they've done, a, the oil industry, I think, has done a pretty good job you know, over the last decade or so, trying to make them look a little better and function better and be a little safer. It is what it is. 
So you're bringing this Turner Enterprises experience to land trust. If anybody out there has a question and they say, hey, man, I, I really I, I like what this guy had to say. I agree that there's going to be a need to make some money off of the conservation economy uh, here in agriculture. If they have a question for you specifically, they can go to LandTrust.com. But if they want to find you specifically, what are, the, what are we doing here? John Hansen is his name. Uh, your email. Yeah. Well, if they want to shoot me a question straight out. John.Hanson at LandTrust.com. I check my emails a couple of times a day. I'll answer. And I do uh, been running a few little blogs uh, on LandTrust's website, you know, just little short one, one and a half, two page, you know, to help people start thinking a little bit about uh, how this could work for them. Yeah. And my view of it. And a lot way, of it is my view. By the way, it's Hanson with an E. Uh, H-A-N-S-E-N. His name is John Hansen. Um, he didn't get too communized uh, out there working with uh, uh, the mouth from the South, Ted Turner and Hanoi Jane. Um, I'm glad he's on here. He works for my sponsor, Land Trust, who sponsors this podcast. Check out their stuff if you'd like to make a dollar off of your conservation practices. I'm not off your practices, off of your uh, your resource, meaning you've got woods, you've got forest, you've got meadows, you've got uh, prairie potholes. you got something that somebody else might want access to for their time in the country. Uh, thanks for being on here, my friend. Yeah, it's, it was a pleasure. Anytime. Well, almost everybody says that when they get done talking to me. All right. His yeah. name is John Hanson. This company's Land Trust. My name is Damian Mason. This is the business of agriculture as both video and audio. As I said, please go to my YouTube channel, hit subscribe. It's the Damian Mason channel and share this with any of your ag or non-ag friends. I get so many people that are only loosely affiliated with agriculture and they like to listen to my stuff so they can see what's happening out here. Talk today about the conservation economy, conservation and commerce, economy and ecology, if you will. I'm Damian Mason. Until next Next time. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Thank you. Till next time. It's the business of agriculture. Thank you for tuning into the business of agriculture podcast sponsored by land trust land trust partners with farmers and ranchers to capture pure profit from sportsmen seeking new experiences and places to hunt and fish land trust built the platform and does the marketing. You maintain 100% control of access and activities and you set the rules. There's no cost or obligation when you list, and the next 10 Business of Agriculture listeners who go to landtrust.com BOA are eligible for a gift worth over $2,000.